The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Big screen radio, high definition radio, pulchritudinous, mellifluous, pugnacious, excoriate. That's about as high definition as you're going to get. Lots of times I do try to use big words. I don't know. I don't know what they mean, but I use them. I heard them somewhere, and I try to use them so I can sound more photosynthesis. Nice to have you with me on The Doctor Is In, program number 877-573-7825. That is not an easy number to remember. It bounces all over the place. It's kind of like trying to sing the Star Spangled Banner. That is not an easy song to sing. 877 57 equal is easier to remember. Groups of three, 877-57 equal. A group of three, if you would like to get onto the program to ask a question about something in your life, about someone in your life, about something in your life, whether it frustrates you or distresses you or disturbs you or doesn't, doesn't at all. Just want to call and compliment me. We had a we had a compliment. Uh, we used to have a compliment line. We were... Uh, Informed by the phone company, apparently there's some kind of, I don't know what it is. It's uh, its sort of a, a thing that it's with their lines. I don't know. I thought it was all digital. But anyway, they said if something is not used, if it is basically dormant for weeks at a time, they have to get rid of it. So we had the compliment line. It was dormant for weeks at a time, and we had to get rid of it. We have no longer a compliment line. However, we do have three disagree with me lines those are always filled up so you want to disagree with me you call you'll you'll jump the turnstiles you'll get ahead of the line 877 57 equal to talk to eric dumont call screamer he picks up the phone i've heard him in the background the doctor is in what is your question please it's not always a question it can be a comment it can be a helpful suggestion to a previous caller it can be a helpful suggestion in general about life had a great uh, email the other day, and I'm going to deal with it in a future email show. Uh, the question was, why do people get up, give up so easily? Now, that's really a very broad-based question, but you can, you can throw some speculation out. So, 877-57 equal. I, I don't like to complain, but I have stress in my life, too. I really do. I came in today... And uh, they bought some weeks ago a big pretzel jar for me. Big, nice, plastic, sealable pretzel jar. I was gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, these pretzels are still edible, but they're stale. Now, 
I'm going to do the show anyway. I, I for a moment there, I had toyed with just simply calling in and saying, "No, no, I can't. I can't uh, work under that kind of stress." Nevertheless, for me, it's all about commitment. So I'm here, despite these pretzels. That's the last I'm going to complain. As I am want to do, trick-or-treat is coming up. Back when I was in the evangelical world, oh, there was a lot of antagonism towards Halloween. They didn't call it trick-or-treat. They called it Halloween, you know, because that sounds a lot more hideous, a lot more dark. They said, ah, oh, it's a pagan holiday, you know, and you go out there and you're just kind of celebrating what has a history of ugliness. Well, as the church has done over the years, they've taken these pagan holidays, these All Hallows Eve things, and they've Christianized them. And furthermore, even if even if we didn't even Christianize them, it's, it's just a kind of annual go out and get candy. It's kind of cool. I think. I stopped individual trick-or-treating when I was 14. When a lady at the front door said, aren't you a little big for this? And I said, I'm not too big for candy. My mom and dad didn't make a whole lot of money, so candy was big. When you went out and got candy, that that was your stash. And that was going to hold you for a day or two. Actually, no. We In those days, you got big candy bars. People gave out. I remember one year I got 31 large Hershey's chocolate and chocolate with almonds candy bars. Now, if you get a large candy bar, you go back to that house three times. Change costumes with whomever you're with and go back three times. Or you wait. The big move. I'll give you some of the techniques I've learned over the years of doing this. Uh, have I missed the Halloween? I might have missed one because of rain, and it's looking like, at least in our area, it's going to be this Sunday. Uh, it says 90% chance of rain. That's hideous. However, there are such things as umbrellas. And furthermore, well, the one thing bad about the rain, this is going to hurt. A lot of people put the bulls outside, which is easy for me because I can take one. I don't take. I don't take a whole bowl, and I don't take a whole half but I can take candy. They didn't say there's an age limit. They just put the bowl out there so I get some of my best stuff. The other thing I would suggest, too, is if you have little kids and they're going to the front door, don't stand by the street as a parent. No, no, no. You go up to the front door with them. You stand there, and you say things like, that's my favorite. Wow. Don't see too many houses giving those out. I always loved that as a kid. I have certain lines that I use. And people say, well, you're not dressed up. And I say, yes, I am. I'm an 11-year-old boy going as an aging psychologist. Of course, that's my costume. It's very good, don't you think? So I'm, I've gotten very good at this. I, I have wanted to put on Facebook the pile of candy that I got two years ago. I mean, you look at that and you think that was a little kid who stayed out the whole time. The other thing you got to do, this is critical. Do not quit early because that last 15 minutes, those people, it's like a football game. Those last 15 minutes, those people want to get rid of that candy. They'll say, take two. No, take three. Go on, take three. 
And then you always have the one lady in the neighborhood. It's almost always a lady in the neighborhood who comes out with a front end loader of full size, huge candy bars. And she wants you to take two, three or four of them. Yeah. And I'll say things like, well, I have 10 kids. Well, I don't tell them the ages that they're all grown up. It's not a lie. I do have 10 kids. Okay, I've never used that one. And that's a little too skirting on the edge of greed. But I look forward to Halloween. I think it's fun. Go out with the kids. And we go out with their parents walking along with us. The ladies are much more likely to, to give you extra. The guys, they're, they're a little more suspicious. You know, they're looking at you like, you don't need this. Now, my wife says, Ray, what are you doing? You could easily go out and buy a bag of those. I said, honey, you don't understand the guy psyche. It's the challenge. It's the competition. It is the navigation of the whole neighborhood, how to decide where to go. And the neighborhood we've been going to the last several years, there's some big, big houses across the street from this one neighborhood. Big houses, big honking houses. Now you got to decide, and almost all of them give full-size candy bars. You got to decide, is it worth it to walk across large lawns, houses spread out to get a full-size candy bar? Or would it be better, would it be better to go to a smaller neighborhood that gives smaller candy, but the houses are closer together. Now, I wanted to do my dissertation on this when I was in graduate school. For whatever the reason, my profs, I don't know. I don't know what their reasoning was. They did not allow me to do that. But I think that'd be a great study. What is the maximum distance between houses, given the size of the candy, that you get maximum results. Now, the way we did it last year is we did both. We hit the big houses. And by the way, the big houses were a little more skeptical about giving me a big candy bar. In the smaller houses, and they're not small. These are probably 2,500 square foot houses. They're not small. They're just close together. When I was a kid, we went in a neighborhood. It was all bungalows. Remember bungalows? They were built in the 50s. And they had the detached garage, single detached garage. These houses' front doors were not more than 30 feet apart. So you could rip through 60, 70, 80 houses in an hour. And that was back in the old days. That was back in the glory days of trick-or-treat when everybody gave full-size candy bars. I'd come home with 20 full-size Reese's. You get one full-size Reese now, and you're ecstatic. You consider your trick-or-treating a success so this is just a few of the things that i have learned over the years and i've sent thank you notes to some of the houses that in fact come out with huge trays and say oh no no don't take just one and that's when i come over and i look at the tray and i say something like boy that just brings back memories of when i was a kid that was always my favorite one and then the lady who's usually 71 or 72 years old, says, here, relive your childhood. I go, thank you. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program. I'm Dr. Ray.
The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I told him about the woman who came to me and said her two children hadn't spoken to each other for two years. Their grandma died and she was very wealthy. She left half to each one. She said they're arguing over a commode. She said it's inlaid. Can you imagine being in hell? And somebody saying to you, what are you here for? EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. A lot of times in uh, TV programs or radio call-in programs, when it's time for a break, the host or hostess will say, don't go away, stay there. Well, I'm not taking a break, but there's a lot of really, really good calls up there, and I want to say to all of you up there, don't go away, stay there. I have every intention of getting to you directly. Allie from uh, Denver, Colorado, Catholic Radio Network Turf. Hi, Allie. Hi, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. Can't complain, and if I did, who'd care? What's up? Yeah, yeah I, um, I'm, I'm just kind of struggling, and um, I've been really turning to God, which is nice, um, but uh, emotionally I feel like... Um, I, long story short, I, I left pumpkin seeds in the oven, and I almost burnt down my very first home. And well, That was dumb, uh, but it's not a failure. Allie, that's dumb, but it's oh. not a failure. Oh, you but the disappointment. No, you can't make oh, the I, illogical leap from I did something dumb, so therefore I am dumb. It's the guilt, though, and I think it... Guilt of what? From, like, guilt of what? Oh, just... Messing up, messing oh, up. Oh, well, welcome to the world. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> so you're, tell, let me see if I understand what you're saying. You're saying that if you don't show yourself competent in the things that you decide are worthy of competence, like cooking brownies or 
being good at sports yeah. or whatever you whatever you decide. God's going to say, well, Allie, you know, I I used to love you a lot, but uh, you're really not all that competent. So uh, when you get a little more confident, let me know, and I'll, uh, I'll love you more. Now, you actually think that? It's, uh, sometimes not. I know it's not true, but it is sometimes how I feel. I feel like I've, I don't want to disappoint God, and it's always been a, a, a thing that I've always had. But well, there's a big difference between too. wanting to live well for God and wanting to, quote-unquote, live well. The difference is yeah. we, we define what we think would be competence. Okay, let's let's just say that EWTN comes to me, Ave comes to me and says, you know, Ray, we're taking you off the air. Uh, you don't think you're that good? Uh, so thanks, it's been a nice run. Okay. Now, I may be disappointed, but I'm not going to see myself as a failure. If anything, I'm going to yeah. say there are folks who think I'm not very good at this. And in fact, maybe I'm not. But so what? That means nothing in God's eyes. Yeah, that's true. What you're doing is you're measuring yourself by these these self-established standards that have nothing to do with morality. They have to do yeah. with, well, I didn't do that very well, or, gee, I didn't do that very well. Oh, gosh, I look stupid there. Didn't I look kind of stupid there? Why did I say that? That was really yeah. a dumb thing to say. You, you yeah. could live your life doing that. Yeah. Until you yeah, realize right. how ridiculous that is, Allie. Until you say to yourself, yeah. why am I doing this? This is really... Now, you want to be dumb? Okay, I'll tell you how you're dumb. You're dumb for doing that. There you go. You want to feel <laughs> yeah, dumb about something? Yeah. Feel dumb about feeling dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. God, yeah, God, God, yeah. Wants, God wants your love and obedience, and that's what matters. And if you yeah, say, yeah, but I'm sure. not very obedient either. I just can't believe I do this. I don't think he's going to go, yeah, let's see. I've been I've been keeping a score here, Allie, and uh, you, only got, you only got three more slip-ups, and then you're going to get fried. It's a good thing that, that Christ died for us so that we can get to heaven, not because I can be competent in, in a whole bunch of things, including my obedience. That's true. Oh, thank you. That's very helpful. I really appreciate it. I've never done this, so thank you. Well, you call any time. All right, dear? Thank thank you. Thank you for the call. Keeping with this whole idea of questioning oneself, is Chris from St. Louis, Covenant Network, a big network, has a great network, Tony, Teresa Holman, wonderful people. Chris has got a question. He says, hey, you know, in the way things used to be, in here, in America, not all that long ago, 1800s, was there as much depression? Hey, Chris, how are you? Hey, Dr. Ray. I'm great, Dr. Ray. Good, sir. Yeah, so to be honest, like, <laughs> it's funny because uh, I was with my daughter. Uh, she's six, and we were watching uh, some old DVDs of, uh, maybe you remember Michael Landon's uh, Little House in the Prairie, and <laughs> I was watching that with her, and it just really got me thinking, gosh, and I'm, you know, I'm sure that show you know, paints a little bit prettier of a picture than... Yeah, it was kind actually. of a gritty, it was kind of a gritty existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And uh, I'm sure, you know, they were, you know, the show has made it look happier, but it, it got me to thinking, you know, the, the people that lived in the, 
late 1800s in America, uh, particularly if they lived in very small uh, rural uh, communities like that, where they just didn't have this uh, uh, technology distraction and, and, and TV and Internet uh, worrying them about what is happening uh, miles away, let alone in another country. Um, and also just like they didn't have easy transportation to where they could they worry had about to work and work. strive to exist life was tough. yeah yeah and i got and you, me thinking like and you would it, think that yeah, with a tough life you'd have more depression well they, they yeah, probably yeah. certainly had a lot more hardship all right babies died uh, kids died yeah. people died young marriages broke because of death so you're right there was mm. hardship the question becomes, mm. was there this emotional struggle that mm. we seem to have pervading our culture now? And I have to believe no. Uh, there, mm. There's always been a certain segment of depressions that are biochemical, but, but those are the, the small minority. The majority of them are living depressions. They're mm. sad about the way things are. They're sad that I don't have what I want. They're sad because I've created a lot of stress in my life. There's frustration as I see it. The world's gone to heck in a handbasket. Okay. So mm. I agree with you totally. And I've oftentimes said that in my talks. This is no longer a farm in 1880. <laughs> that's, that's one of my lines. And I say, yeah, because the culture as it stands, uh, it can swamp you. And yeah. if, you, if you're not careful because of the pace, because of the constant input, because of all the sewage thrown at your door... Uh, a mm. lot of people emotionally struggle badly with it. I agree. I agree yeah. with you a hundred percent. I think there was much, much tighter communities, much more need for each other back when. Yeah. Yeah. Could could part of it have been because they weren't? They kind of had to settle and adapt to what was around them, given that there wasn't uh, a lot of choices like. Yes. You know, you want to have a job 30 miles away. Well, that's, that's a, right. That's a that's a lot. To, yeah. Now, it's it's interesting. There's an irony here because as we've created incredible comfort, as we've created wealth, as we've created leisure beyond anything they could imagine, we're less happy. Now, why would that be? And I think one of the great definitions of discontent is it is the difference between the way I would like things to be, and the way they are. Mm. I saw a fascinating survey of countries, and they essentially asked the people, rate your level of contentment. Mm. The U.S. was down at the bottom. Oh, wow. And third world countries were up at the top. Oh, gosh. That's yeah, wild. Because, yeah, because they, they don't... They don't live with the realization of, gee, I could have some more. I could be having this. I could have that. I want this. I want to do that. This yeah. should happen to me. This is, and that just creates this, this ongoing discontent. For sure. So your question is one that I have wrestled with and that the answer, which you've come to, I wholeheartedly agree. Very much so. Okay, my friend. Thank you, Dr. Ray. God bless you. Bye. You too. Thanks. Uh, good calls up there. Please don't go away, anybody. Please don't go away, uh, because I'm looking at this hard break coming up here in about 40 seconds. All right, let me do the. Let me do the. Oh, uh, I'm heading for Houston. Um, well, Dean Martin, I'm going to Houston. 
Uh, where is it? Let me get this real quick here. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up, Raymond. Uh, here it is. I'm going to St. Angela Marisi, or if you're Italian, Marici Catholic Church. It's in Missouri City, Texas. Good Lord permitting Saturday. So those of you in the Guadalupe, Houston area, you'd like to stop in, we would love to have you. A couple hour talk, I think, on Saturday. Uh, call the church. They'll give you the details. That is St. Angela Marici Catholic Church this Saturday. Father Benedict Rochelle. Brothers and sisters, we got to tell the truth in this country. For heaven's sakes, I wouldn't want to go to a synagogue and find that they were having a Muslim service. I wouldn't want to go to a mosque and run into a Baptist service. I don't want to go to a Baptist church and find out that they're having mass. We've got to be honest to ourselves. We've got to be what we are. I'd rather a good old-fashioned, honest agnostic than a phony Christian any day of the week. There are reluctant agnostics. There are atheists who are searching for God, and they may find Him. But somebody who says they're doing something in the name of God and the name of Christ, and God and Christ have nothing to do with it, is violating this commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall not take my name in vain. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Connection with Teresa Tomio. People have this false notion that after the Supreme Court came out with, of course, Roe v. Wade and gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy, that all of a sudden all of these regulations were put into place. When all of these independent abortion facilities popped up all over the country, when Planned Parenthood started opening its doors and doing abortions legally after 1973, that it was always so safe and wonderful. And they believe this because they don't see these stories about the botched abortions, the women who have lost their lives, the women who have been violated because their information has been tossed out in the street with the garbage and the medical waste, not to mention the fact that the regulations that are on the books are not even enforced and rarely are these facilities inspected and yet people think that they're so safe. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio, weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Sandra, John, John, Kathy, Angel, I know you're there. Don't leave me. By the way, this has never happened. We have two Johns, and both Johns are from Portland, Oregon, and I thought it was the same guy somehow calling on two different lines. It's not two different guys. But this John called me in November of last year. I remember it was a Wednesday. It was uh, Eastern time, about one, one eighteen. I remember that. I remember these things. And he had brain surgery. And I asked him, "Hey, give me a buzz back." Now it's a year later, so I'm hoping that's pretty good news. Hi, John. Hey, how's it going, Doc? What happened with his brain surgery? What day? What I forget. What did they? What they do? <laughs> well, it's due to an injury I had in the Navy. If you remember that story, uh, and uh, grand mal seizures came out of it, 
But um, basically what happened thereafter was um, <clears throat> that I had to be treated on medication for 30 years. But then they finally decided the medication isn't working, so they had to go in and ablate some of those sections of your brain? Yes, and um, the research since I talked to you last is, and I think I was trying to find the notes on, on that back in November, but bottom line is, is the OHSU chief of neurosurgery says we have the technology and we have the science to heal people rather than put them on this medication. It's just the insurance companies are not wanting to um, do that. Um, so that was something between when we talked to now being a Navy vet and the Veteran Association doing this for me made me really feel like an advocate like you are to people to say that on your show. But, yes, as you can see, I'm speaking normal uh, for the most part. And uh, February I went in um, last or 10 months, whatever, months ago to have a the new type of EEG done where they stick stuff in your brain rather than just the old tape style glue on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was at OHSU for a week coming off the medication to see what they could capture. And of course, as you know, I wasn't a trauma situation. So I waited until uh, July 20th. Recovery was a good couple weeks, lost a good 30 pounds in that, uh, you know, 10 days or whatever. And I'm a big guy. But bottom line is I'm feeling great. Um, I mean, I'm waiting in the next week or so to have that EEG done to see if the grand mall, which is totally cut, um, but just to see where it's at and then the petite mall. But, and I remember without question, you reminding me, you know, there are many people in the Bible that (laughs) Jesus saved and some just didn't change their life. So I wanted to let you know, this old Navy corpsman is very thankful to change my life and be the advocate I am. But uh, as you might recall in that uh, our conversation, I was losing it, you know. I went silent on your show because I was just amazed that I had well, to See, John, this is, why you, this is why I'm the professional and you're the rank amateur. <laughs> you don't realize that at the time I planted time-released suggestions in you. And they yes. were set to go off several months later. Yeah. Yeah, and they went off. <laughs> I told you. Now, just I have one quick question. Um, is this cutting-edge technology something that your doctors say is going to be the next quantum leap in dealing with various epileptic-type conditions? The primary scenario is um, for cancer, but then they thought, okay, let's use it for epilepsy where they just slide in, you know, an arrow, we'll just say that, in the back of your skull. And if it's in one area where the scar is, or like you mentioned, or the hearing, uh, or not hearing, but the cancer, then they'll do it. Um, And then it's incredibly high effective, you know, uh, scenario. So bottom line, that's why the chief professor and neurosurgeon said, and I'll send it to your, to your, to your guys, um, in, an, in a YouTube thing with Sever is we have the technology to heal basically all of it except genetic stuff. So, yeah. That's a, that's impressive. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, that is, you know, I don't think I'm going to live to see it. Maybe my kids will, I hope, if we don't destroy ourselves before that. But 
I think at some point they're going to say cancer is just a chronic condition that they deal with. And remember when people used to die of cancer. Hey, John, this is good but to I know, but the, to, yeah. but the bigger thing, the yeah, more important to, thing go ahead, is that you're putting your life together. It's like our Lord said, you know, after he cured people, he said, hey, the important thing is you pull your faith <laughs> and spirituality together. I can cure your body, but uh, you've got to cure your soul with God's help. Yes, sir. That's great, John. Hey, man, keep it up. Call me again. I appreciate that. Thanks. You're welcome. All right, Kathy. I know what you're saying because my wife and I uh, have dealt with the exact same thing. Hi, Kathy from North Dakota. Hello. So you've got to decide what to do with your inheritance, and you got a whole bunch of kids. Well, I don't have any kids and brothers and sisters, and there's nothing pending immediately, but my husband is quite a bit older than I am. I've got 12 brothers and sisters and over three dozen nieces and nephews. Yikes. And there probably will be some money to distribute. And, of course, some are more hardworking than others and so forth. And I'm just wondering what your suggestions might be. Well, here's what, yeah, here's what we did with our own children. Our own children are in various phases of life. They are in various phases of living responsibly. So rather than... Uh, saying, okay, we're just going to give everybody a whole bunch of money. Uh, the first thing we did is we we decided to give most of it to charity. EWTN, Ave, various uh, cross-Catholic, various charities. I shouldn't have said EWTN. Now they're going to wait for me to die. Ah, shouldn't have said that. I blew that. But what we did is we gave each kid what we thought was a certain amount to help them. What you could do is you could say, well, my siblings will get a certain amount exactly the same across the board, 30 grand apiece. The nieces and nephews are a generation removed, and there's a whole bunch of them, so they're going to get a grand apiece. You know as well as I do, Kathy, that some of those kids, if you gave them 30 grand, especially the nieces and nephews, they would be foolish with it. It would, it would hurt them. They would be self-destructive with it. You know that. That seems to be your your question here. So yes. if yeah, so if you're asking my advice, I'd I'd basically say a certain amount across the board. Now, now that said, if there's any of those siblings who have written you off, or any of those nieces and nephews who you haven't seen in 26 years, because they won't come and see their aunt Kathy. I think you have every right to say I'm not leaving them anything. <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> They've written me off. That's that's what I would do. Fortunately, none of my kids have written me off, but I, I, I was kind of hoping they would because I could save some money. I just tease you. I'll talk to you. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome.
see is not usually a matter of ignorance. It's a matter of arrogance. We're all ignorant. It's only about different things. And when I hear ignorant people say that they're stupid, my heart just breaks. I mean, to be ignorant is not to be stupid. Ignorance is fairly easy to remedy. It's a matter of learning. And St. Paul tells us to increase in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's confident that we can overcome our ignorance of Christ by getting to know him better. And so he prays for the Colossians. We constantly pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and lead a life worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and to be fruitful in every good work, always increasing in the knowledge of God. Ignorance can be corrected. One has to die to arrogance. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. What are we expressing when we use the word our in relation to God? The Catholic Catechism tells us the adjective our does not mean possession, but an entirely new relationship with God. It means that we recognize that all God's promises of love coming through the prophets are fulfilled in the new and eternal covenant in his Christ. We have become his people and he is our God. We are to respond to this gift in Jesus Christ with love and faithfulness. The church is this new communion of God and man. In praying our Father, each of the baptized is praying in this communion as written in the Acts of the Apostles. The company of those who believed were of one mind and one heart. But the hour and the Our Father, if prayed sincerely, also includes all for whom God gave his beloved Son, revealing the dimensions of God's love for all, even those who do not yet know him. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Garendi program. The doctor is in. Um, This goes under the rubric, the headline of promises that you find out you can't keep. I don't know if that's what happened with Sandra. From Richmond, Virginia, but it certainly does happen with a lot of folks in similar situations. Hi, Sandra. Hi, how are you? All righty. So you have a mom that, well, she's getting to the point where you can't handle her at home? Uh, She uh, is now in a nursing home. Oh, okay. So you've made Uh, that decision. Yeah. Well, actually, the doctors kind of made it for me. Uh, she moved up here about five years ago, and uh, I would, I've been taking care of her. Uh, and she just got worse and worse about falling. And she has the dementia got worse and worse. She's not, like, uh, severely dementia, but dement- maybe 50% on the tra- travel line. And uh, so uh, the last time she fell and she was in uh, the physical rehab, they told me that she needed to stay in a nursing home where she could be 24-7. So I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put her in a nursing home. So I took her back home, and from August the 1st until, let me get my dates right, from June the 1st until about the last week in August, she fell four times. 
the last time she fell, that I know about, that she fell, the last time she fell, she ended up in the hospital with fractures, and that doctor said she has to go into a nursing home where she can be taken care of 24-7. So she went in for physical rehab at this very nice nursing home, and she was expecting that when she finished his course of physical therapy, she would be able to go home. But, no, she can't. So she said, I want to get out of here, I want to get out of here, I want to get out of here. So that's upsetting. And then, you know, so then I start questioning, well, could I really bring her back home? So that's where I am. Well, what's, I Sandra, I what's, what's, what has changed if, in fact... A lot of the professionals are saying she's at a she's at a point where she's dangerous to herself, and she needs twenty four seven monitoring because you you can't keep an eye on her constantly. What's changed? Why why now? Is it because she said I want out of here? It's because she's so unhappy. You know, she's she's so unhappy, and and it's a beautiful place, and the staff is wonderful. It's not there's nothing wrong with where she is. And I, uh, it's about 45 minutes from my home. I go to visit her three times a week, and uh, I do her laundry. But what, I, what would I happen if you brought bad. her to? What would happen if you brought her to your house? Okay, Dad, number one, my house is not set up for an elderly person. It has a lot of stairs. And number two, I do have a bedroom downstairs, but it's extremely small. And she has a very large dog that I'm taking care of now that she is devoted to. It's her baby. And so how, how, would you su- and how would you would supervise her? How would you supervise her 24-7? I couldn't supervise her 24-7 because I have to do my other responsibilities. So I would have to leave her and pay somebody to stay with her while I was gone. Do you have the money to do that? Not anymore, since I paid for everything since she moved up here five years ago, and I furnished her her house, all her utilities, her food, everything. So what you are saying is on a practical level, a very, very practical, logistical level, as well as finances, as well as her safety, it's not an option for you to have her at home, correct? It is not an option without mm-hmm. extensive renovations and, uh, you know. And you know as well stuff. as I do that her, sure, sadly, she will continue to cognitively deteriorate, correct? Definitely. Sure. So you're running up against something that pretty much, and we had we ran up against this with my mother-in-law, pretty much there is enough with itness to say hey i want to be at home i don't i don't want to be here but at the same time there isn't enough witness with itness to say i can't care for myself even with somebody keeping an eye on me it's not possible they 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 can't they don't have enough insight to say that now if it's any comfort to you my my guess would be that sometime in the relatively near future your mom will give up this idea that she wants to go home other than a a recurrent kind of complaint 
but there will be minimal understanding of where she is and maybe minimal understanding of even who you are. That hasn't happened yet, has it? No, she knows who I am. She's always okay. waiting for me when I come okay. through the door. <laughs> so, but she like, so how but do she, I, when she says, I want to go home, what do I do? I would say something like, well, for right now, Mom, this is the best place for you because I can't have you at home because of falls and because of a lot of, a lot of things that we can't keep an eye on. Now, she's not going to accept that, but at least you'll feel better in offering an explanation. But my guess would be that, Sandra, you will have to offer that explanation every single time you go in there because until she gets to the point where she's further down the road, sadly, in the dementia, she, she won't give up that idea of, why can't I go home? Because, because part of her cognitive slippage is that she doesn't have enough insight to know why she can't go home. No, she thinks she's she thinks she's perfectly fine. Exactly. I can walk. She can't walk anymore. Right, exactly. I can walk. I can do this. I can right, do that. Exactly. So, well, okay, so basically do You what have I no reason to feel guilty. If you feel guilty, you're creating it in your head because there's no reality that you should feel guilty. Okay. I'll work on it. And girl. <laughs> And eventually, too, it's going to get to the point where uh, she'll just she will no longer bring that issue up because she will start to be more and more confused about where she is. Well, I thank you. You're welcome. You are a help. God bless you. All righty, dear. Uh, before right. I go, before thank I you. go, too. You're welcome. Before I go to take my final break, uh, Ed from Waterford, Michigan, said. He had a similar experience, but he was the recipient of a whole lot of money, and he got it, and he squandered it. (laughs) This is Dr. Ray. This program is brought to you by the following nonprofit underwriter. Are you longing to hear God's voice? Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you are seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord Teach Me to Pray is free. Go to lordteachmetopray.com, click on the red box, order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series now. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Is social media leading to more young women getting cosmetic surgery? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Our daughter and family just welcomed a new baby girl into the world. The boys in our family are now outnumbered for sure. I've witnessed how some of our girls often struggle with self-image and body issues. These issues are now being enhanced by social media. First Peter teaches us that it is not outward beauty that is important, but it should be that of our inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Studies indicate that young women are going under the knife for more cosmetic procedures in direct response to social media. Encourage the women in your life to practice self-compassion. Build them up. Help them find ways to be content in their own skin. True self-esteem is having confidence that I am who God says I am. For more on this, head over to our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. 
Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Well, this isn't a disagreement, but it is a a sweet correction, because I know this woman. She's an absolutely warm, delightful person, but she wants to point out something to me, and then after she points it out, I will straighten her out. Cheryl calling from Michigan. Hi, Cheryl. Hey, Dr. A. How you doing? <laughs> All right. Tell me what you think about that. Okay. Well, the last woman that I heard, the last caller... Two things. I remember you telling me way back about 2010 that taking care of my mom didn't only mean I was putting hands on care and taking care of her needs. It also meant I was managing her care. Sorry, I didn't tell that to the call screen. I just thought of that. But the other part was when my mom, she died at 94, when she was in um, a memory care assisted living place, um, they were very helpful, and she had mild to moderate dementia. They were very helpful and said to me, when your mom says, I want to go home, it really doesn't mean that. It just means there's some kind of discomfort with what's going on with her right then. She, you know, it can't be identified. So they just suggested I agree and kind of go, yeah, mom, I want to go home too. But that's different than saying, I want to get out of here. If the, if the woman's mom is saying, I want to get out of here, you know, that's different. But I just thought I would offer that as um, a, a potential suggestion. Well, it is a good suggestion. Uh, you pointed out that I want to go home and I want to get out of here are two different things. Typically, yeah. I want to get out of here means I want to go home. Because they're not, they're not saying, I want to get out of here and I want to go to assisted living. I want to get out of here and I want to go to an apartment. I want to get out of here and I want to go to a trailer. I want to get out of here and I want to go camping. No, what they're saying is, it's, it's implied. I want to get out of here because I want to go home. I've lived there for 47 years, and that's where mm-hmm. I want to go. Your, your, your answer, which is, yeah, Mom, I, I know, I'd, I'd like to go home too. I don't know how well that'll work. I, I think what you're what they're saying is they what they're saying is this. You can't say mom, you can't go home. That that right. I agree with that. You can't say that. That that's just that would that would hurt them. It would if if they have enough awareness, it would bother them terribly. True. Um so so I understand that. Um probably the you know when, when they say I want to go home I would probably say something like, you know, Mom, I could understand that. I could really mm-hmm. understand that a lot. That's uh, yeah. That's where you lived for a long time, Mom. Mm-hmm. That's probably that what, what I would do on that. So you go back and you tell there those you people. Go. You go back and you correct them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Mom <laughs> passed away a few years ago, but uh, okay. I'm in the area, actually, at that place. I can stop in and tell them. Dr. Ray yeah. says, maybe there's a better approach. <laughs> All I know is I will never forgive what you guys set me up for on, that tire, on that tire. Oh! <laughs> it wasn't me. I wasn't involved. <laughs> that was one of the greatest chumps I ever saw. It was a good one. <laughs> uh, yes. 
I, I, yeah, I was kind of surprised. I wasn't quite sure by your reaction if you were knew it was a and you were playing input or you were just you know blown away. And I guess you were blown away. <laughs> yeah, I think I was. I thought no. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, it was a good one. It was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. We enjoyed it. All right. Sense, but we're glad. We're very glad you forgave us. Let's put it that way. All right. I have to seventy times seven. But you're right on the edge. You're. I think you're like. <laughs> you're like four eighty two or something. Right. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl. I see you're you. Well, God bless. Bye. Hey. Uh, John Andrew from Portland is calling. Uh, why do I think Americans are poor at playing chess? Uh, because we don't play chess. Hi, John Andrew. How are you? Hey there. I'm out here, and boy, do I have respect for that other John out in Portland and all of his work as a U.S. Navy corpsman. Praise God he's got a new life. Hey, I'm not sure this is directly related to your expertise, but you know, we're a pretty impatient kind of people, and I think to be able to play chess well, it takes a little strategy and a little thinking rather than just acting. What do you think? I think you're right. I think that there's all kinds of research coming out from every direction on all kinds of things that we have shortened our attention span. Uh, we've become hyper-video. We are on video cocaine. And you're absolutely correct. Anything that takes sustained attention, sustained thinking, for many, especially the younger people, is a lot harder to do. It's too slow moving. That's one of my beliefs, John, as to why so many teenagers and young adults don't go to mass. In their view, they don't understand it. All they see is repetitive and slow moving. That's how they characterize it. And so as a result, it's like, you oh, know, this is really boring. And so mass means nothing to them. But I think you're absolutely right. Anything that sustains attention over a period of time, we are getting much poorer at. And this isn't just my opinion. There's research coming out from every which way. And I would I would read that research, except I, I don't have time and I don't want to stick with it. <clears throat> well, God, God bless America. <laughs> Thanks, John Andrew. I'll talk to you. All right, I got to go. Pretty much got to head out. And I want to thank Andrew Kruchik. And those of you who I didn't get to, please call back. You will be first up. Um, once again, uh, heading out, last announcement, heading out to Houston. Well, not, it's Missouri City. is, I guess, somewhere near around Houston, suburb, at uh, St. Angela Marisi Catholic Church. If you call those folks, they'll give you the details. So this Saturday, I'll be there. It's kind of a little family thing. I'm a talk for a couple of hours to the folks that'll be nice um on information as i say just uh, just call them saint angela marisi or marici catholic church in missouri city texas by the way we're still uh, taking the people to come to the tv show in wichita november 15th 16th so you go to Dr. Ray Show Wichita, DR Ray Show Wichita, to get information and sign up to be in the audience once, twice, three times or more. Thank you for joining me. Walk with God. He doesn't see you as a failure. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. 
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.